0: How many of you like to read stuff that challenges you as much as stuff that makes you feel good? Okay, I got 12 friends, praise the Lord. Um, this is an old book. This is my great uncle's book, and I've had this for a lot of years and been through it several times. went back and I saw a note today where I, that I'd written here in 1998 and uh, 14 years ago when I read it. And I go back and read it periodically. But you can also go over here. It used to be at Jaira's and but they've closed down. But if you go down to Family Christian Bookstore in Folsom you can order. There's a complete collection by this gentleman called E.M. Bounds. And uh, E.M. Bounds is in the late 1800s. And uh, at the age of 59... He made a shift. It's a great story. He was a Confederate soldier and, I mean, a powerful testimony. You read this guy's testimony. It's crazy and uh, what he did. But the last 20 years of his ministry, he dedicated completely to prayer. And uh, if you think you pray, read this. If you don't think you pray, read this. And uh, anyway, but it, just some great things. And and he it's a whole collection, but there's eight books that he wrote on prayer during his last 20 years of ministry from 59 and, and up there. And uh, it, it just is amazing. Uh, those eight volumes of there, but you can buy all eight volumes. I think it's like nineteen dollars to get them it's a huge book about that thick, but you can get that and to be a great blessing in your lives. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, how, how many find it? And let me just, because we're going to talk all about prayer this morning. How, how many find it challenging in conversation with God? i just be, come on, we'll just be, talk this morning. But see, God, God it's hard. Now, how, how many have a real close friend that you can talk to all the time? And just to flow. Okay, what's the difference? Familiarity, being comfortable. Different thing. So, and then having things in common. How I many you know when you find somebody that you find out you have something in common with, that commonality, that, that, that a place of, that, that we share in common, opens up a whole avenue of conversation. Oh, you like to do that? I like to do that. Oh, you, that's an interest. I have that same interest. I've done, and you start sharing experiences. Amen? And so, with God, that, that same type of relationship can be built with you and the Lord. Amen. Finding that place of common interest and learning how to have communion with God. Today marks the first day of the beginning of a new season of seeking the Lord and His face for what lies ahead. There are several reasons to begin a new year with prayer and fasting. The most important of which is to reaffirm in our hearts that our spiritual compass is set on true north. Years ago, I had a friend, and uh, we'd we'd go hunting together, and uh, we're still friends, but some different things happen for different reasons, and uh, so we don't see each other that much anymore. But we we were hunting one year, and uh, he has this inept ability to get lost walking from here to that door. And so we're, we're out hunting, we're up by Alturas, we're up in Northern California, we, we got drawn to go hunting up there, deer hunting up there, and we're hunting, and, and they had this Lake of the Pines, and it was going to be one of those subdivisions where you buy the lot, you know, for $19,000, $19, whatever, build your dream home, blah, 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 and so it had these roads, and they're all these parallel roads, and they're about, I don't know, five or ten acres between each road, so it's a long span between each road, but these roads just run Parallel. And it's just all this timbered area up there. And, and, and so I said, hey, bro, this is what we're going to do. We'll park here, and we'll just walk through to the next road, and then we'll go over and come back, and we'll just work our way up and down this big, long strip. So we're we going go from here straight. Okay. And so we took off, and we're going, and uh, he has a compass and stuff. And I said, well, you probably won't need that if you just walk straight. <laughs> and so... We get to the other, I get to the other road, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And dude, where are you? He's straight. I said, where are you? And uh, so we had these walkie-talkies, and we're kind of talking. with The headsets on, we're talking, and he's all doing good, and pretty soon he starts kind of grumbling. You can tell he's kind of sweating, breaking out in frustration and stuff, and voice is getting a little more agitated and stuff. I said, dude, where are you? Oh, I think I'm down. And I said, come on. So I have a little twenty-two pistol I carry with me. So I, I said, here, I'll shoot my pistol, and you'll know where I'm at. So I shoot, and he goes, and he kind of, you know, talked in tongues for a minute. <laughs> and uh, so <laughs> I go, dude, well, where? He goes, man, you're behind me. I said, how can I be behind you when you were walking straight? And so he gets back over, and he comes up, and he takes his compass Saying all this to get to God, and he takes his company. So mad, I, go, I was following this thing. This thing is so stupid. As well. And he throws it out in the field. I still have that compass today. Nothing wrong with the compass. <laughs> but he couldn't even read a compass and go straight. Amen. And You say, "Wow." Let me take you on that same walk. You might end up there too. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But it's so important. Even in our walk with God, how many know? See, all the time he thought he was going in the wrong direction. Then he found out where he was going in completely the opposite direction that he should have been going in. And he was totally frustrated in the process. How many are with me? So many times we go through that in our walk with God. We think we're pursuing God, we're going after it. But for whatever reason, we're just misdirected and we're just roaming around. We're not arriving at the destination that we were headed for. And we get totally frustrated, aggravated. It affects our conversation. Amen. Everything. And so it's important that we come back and say, God, am I on the right course with you? Through the course of any given year, there's always a multiplicity of circumstances that work to redirect our attention away from the Lord and His true course for our life. There is immeasurable value in taking time to pause and reset our lives to the course and purpose that God has ordained for us. Taking these next few days and saying, God, I just want to reset my compass. I want to make sure that I am headed in the right direction that you have. We talked about last week about how you leave determines how you enter, and no matter what the year was and what happened, learning how to deal with that so you could enter properly into this year. And the same thing is true is that we we, we want to move in the right direction, but in going through and letting go of the things that would hinder us or hold us back and allow God to reset our lives for His direction and the hope that He has for us. So I want to invite you to join with me in setting aside the time that it will take to seek the Lord for his perfect will for our lives in 2013. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 reads like this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable Unto God, which is your reasonable service, verse 1 says. So, giving God my life as a sacrifice means that something of myself has to be given. It's a, it's a giving of myself to Him. And to seek God in prayer means you have to give yourself to God in prayer, you have to give of your time. So, there, there's always a sacrifice, a letting go, and allowing something greater to consume that for the benefit that would come out of that. Would you agree? And so he says, and the purpose, of that I like what Paul says here in verse 2. He says the purpose of that is that we would not be conformed to this world, but we could be transformed by the renewing of our mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, please hear me. God doesn't have three levels of will. He has one will. The will of God is always good, it is always perfect, and it is always acceptable. And let me just squelch this rumor. There is no permissive will of God. The only permissive will of God is free choice. People say, well, I'm in the permissive will of God. No, you're not. You're in sin and rebellion. I mean, we came up with that phrase, well, God's permitted me to do that. Yeah, He's permitting you to live in free choice. But His will is always good and perfect and acceptable. Are you with me? But it says we can discern that. People say, well, I just don't know God's will for my life. But it says here that I can know and I can fully discern and comprehend it but it means that i but if that comes from presenting myself totally to god as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to him that that there's not a reserve in my life or a holding back would you agree amen thank you for that one amen Next, look at the inside of your outline. This happens when we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him. There is no cookie-cutter program or abbreviated approach to seeking and finding God's will for our lives. It comes at the expense of all other interests. Can you hear that this morning? Finding God's will comes at the expense of all the other interests being laid aside for pure seasons of hungering and thirsting for a refreshing and a renewal in our relationship with God. Amen. There are times over the years that Pastor Sue and I know that it is important for us to get away and refuel our relationship together. That we get away from our children. We get away from our family. We get away from responsibilities. And we just have to go away and just focus on our relationship together. How many know what I'm saying? That is important if you want to have an enduring relationship. I'm not feeling much love here either. Amen. But that is so important that you do that. Give yourself to one another. Same thing with God. We have to give ourselves to Him. And uh, I found this in this area. It, that, that if I'm content and people who are content, I'm pretty hard to be moved. If you're content with God, nothing I say today will move you. If you're content with your relationship being the way it is, nothing anybody will say to you can help you. I don't about you, I'm not content. We have a lot of years in ahead, so we keep working on our relationship. Amen. we're going to spend the rest of our life together I'm I'm not finished in God so I'm not content with where I am so I'm going to keep pushing myself out of a comfort zone because then I'm always challenged and I'm always finding fresh things in God this is the first and foremost time to go after God this is, excuse me, first and foremost a time to go after God it's so important we come to God with no plans no dreams, no requests and no desires except to find Him isn't that cool? Amen. Just to find him and to renew, as it were, our vow of love to him. And I put Psalms 27 in here just for us to follow this morning because David gives us a great example to follow. And, and if you think about this, David was not a man without mistakes, but he was a man who knew how to deal with his mistakes in relationship with God. He was a man who was quick to repent and not go down that pathway again. In Psalms 24, he wrote this one thing. Everybody say one thing. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. How many would like to have that assurance? So David said, I'm going to do that because then when trouble comes, I have this great assurance that God is going to be there as a shelter and a protection for my life. He'll hide me in his pavilion in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted above all my enemies around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. And I like what David says. He says, I'm not doing this at home away from everybody else, but I'm coming into the house of God. I'm coming in the tabernacle, God, in the congregation and in the assembly of God's people and gathering together in that place is where I'm seeking God. Because many times that, listen, there is power in assembly. And there's a reason that, that God calls us, and Jesus calls His church a body. And a body, you know, we could take you and lay you out here and, 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 and do a, uh, you know, a, a, a high school biology class, and we could dissect you this morning. And we could get all your parts out on this, and you would be here, but we would have all your parts disconnected. Anybody want to volunteer? <laughs> to have your body here... But completely disconnected from all its memory. I mean, they're close I mean, may, you know maybe an inch or two apart. And they'd all be there, close, so you would be there. I'm still waiting for a volunteer. If so I have a leatherman with me, we could do this. Amen. No. But, but, but we think, wait a minute, but see, your body functions when it's jointly framed and fit together. And the body of Christ functions when it's jointly framed and fit together. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 4, that, that, that we are all jointly framed and fit together, and we grow and edify ourselves in love by the, that which every joint supplies to the need of the whole. And the enemy works overtime to keep you isolated and independent. He works overtime to keep ministries isolated and independent. The great thing about our homeless shelter ministry is that the church community has come together, and we're not trying to do it independently. Well, we have a homeless ministry that we do, and we have one that we do. So let's quit doing we do, we do, we do. Let's do we do. And so we, we all come together and we, and we work together and you're able to create a place where the people in our homeless community during the worst part of the winter have a place to stay every night of the week and be cared for, amen, and be loved on. Praise the Lord. So that happened when, by coming together. But David said, I'm doing this in the tabernacle. I'm assembling there because men say, well, Pastor, I'm with you in spirit. Paul said, though I'm absent from body, I'm with you in spirit. I'll be with you at my house. No, you won't. You'll be distracted at your house. Shout me down. I'm preaching real good. Amen. Hey, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm just trying to bring us to a place, and if we can agree and assemble, God can do great things. Amen? Therefore, I will offer sacrifice in his tabernacle. I will sing. I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, will I see. Don't hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Don't leave me nor forsake me, O God, of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path. How many know that there's some things coming up that you might need a smooth path in 2013? I like that. Because, God, if I I seek you early and, and I seek you right and have you right place... You will give me a smooth path. I stand on that a whole lot, praise the Lord, because of my enemies. Look at that. There's adversaries against you. How many know the Bible said that you have an adversary, the devil, who looks to destroy and so whether you ever see one in the natural, we have a spiritual enemy that's out to lead us in the wrong way. Oh, Lord, lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me. And such as breathe out violence, I would have lost heart. I love that. Unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I like that verse because there are things, and too many times we make excuses for, well, in heaven. Thank God for heaven, but let's get a little bit of heaven here on earth. Because Jesus said, Pray like this Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, earth as it is in heaven, so we can expect the goodness of God right here on the earth. Amen? Praise the Lord. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. And David ends again saying, Wait. I say on the Lord and that's what this week is about just waiting on the Lord calling upon the Lord with no plans no agenda just going after him and seeking him that's what David said I'm just going to seek you God so join with me in seeking God like David did God declared that David was his friend and a man that sought to know his heart I truly believe that when we're willing to lay aside our desires for the purpose of knowing His, great things will happen if we'd be willing to sacrifice our time postpone own our plans, deny our flesh as an offering to the Lord at the beginning of this year, I believe that He'll reveal Himself to us in our personal lives and corporate gatherings as never before. Amen? Because the way we leave something determines how we enter. We talked about it, like I said, last week, but I believe leaving last year and now entering into this year with the fresh expectation of God. Praise the Lord. There's no greater duty that we're called to than that of seeking the Lord. No greater cause that we could give ourselves to than that of finding his heart and purpose and will for our life. No greater employ that we could be offered, that, that we could be offered than that for which we were created. That is to know our God and to hear his voice. Go with me to Genesis chapter three. Now, I want you to hear this. What's so important about this? Pastor, why are you driving this home? For six years, we've been doing this. And I believe with all my heart, people say, well, man, how come we haven't seen a huge breakthrough? I was reading Leonard Ravenhill the other day, another gentleman that was an apostle of prayer. And in, in one of his, his outlines on revival he's saying, I've been meeting with men and women for the last 50 years in prayer, praying for revival for our nation. And I haven't seen it yet. But that means that for 50 years, he had, he, he, he had a focus and set his eye on a desire to see God pour out his spirit on the nation of America. And would meet with people in gatherings and meetings in his home and all these different places. And he says, I'm still driving, I'm still pressing, and I'm still believing. Amen. Sometimes, you, and, and this is hard sometimes, but when it comes to the will of God, sometimes one generation bursts something in prayer for the next generation. Amen. And so it's not only just about us, it's, for, it's for, for about the lineage and the posterity that's coming behind us. Praise the Lord. Genesis 3, and, and, and as I read this, this just jumped out to me. How many know that we often heard that God came walking in the cool of the day in the garden? That God came down and Adam and Eve walked together. But look at what it really says in verse 8. And then they heard the voice, not God, but they heard God's voice walking with them. And I've heard people say, I've never heard God's voice. And there are times that I don't hear a literal voice, but, but, but I hear a voice that speaks to my spirit. And I know that God has just said something to me. And it ignites something on the inside of me. And it causes a reaction in my spirit that's different than anything else I hear. Amen? And, but God's voice came walking and I don't know about you I believe that we can believe for that today because Jesus came to restore Adam. there was a first Adam and Jesus is called the second Adam and we are in him and we have this great relationship and you can hear God's voice walking with you daily Amen. He will walk with us daily. And he heard his voice walking in the garden and in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees and in the garden. And they had covered themselves. And it's so easy for us to miss God and start feeling guilty about things. Because we feel guilty, guilt breaks that relationship. And then we try to cover ourselves up and do our best to kind of, you know, not be embarrassed in his presence. And then God goes, hey, what's going on? But the end of God is that he forgave them restored them and then he provided a covering amen and he'll do that very same thing for us actually that's the whole gospel but genesis 3 8 tells us that god was designed that man was designed in the beginning to get his input from the voice of the creator how many how how, how many have a lot of voices in your life right now besides me Almost every new thing that's introduced into your life is a new voice. Everything is a new voice. And just like when I talk about our phones or, or, or Internet or different things in media, it's all a voice. In fact, I, I, I caught a blip of, 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 a, of an interview with Matt Damon the other morning on a news thing. And to find out that this whole promised land thing he was doing, the media's voice is there. It's a message about the dangers of fracking. Anybody know what that is? It's where you go into the the oil and get oil and gas out of the out of the the the, the layers of the shell and you steam in there and then you liquefy it and pump it out and it's safe. It's been done and been back in the fifties and stuff and and uh, and all that. So it's been proven thing. But but the environmentalist. So watch, it's a movie supposed to be for entertainment, but the underlying message is to start the conversation about how bad this is. Are you with me? So I'm saying every voice has an agenda behind it. There's no voice that comes to your life, to my life, that does not have an agenda behind it. There is no innocent voice. There won't be. And so when you get away from God like they say, God, I, I need to hear one voice. I need to be able to hear your voice walking with me on the path of my life. So, so if it means what, I have to get away, and I want to make it through this year knowing that I've been led by your voice throughout this year. Are you with me? So it says here that God came down calling him, them, but, but then something had happened, and they felt uncomfortable with that conversation. They're hiding themselves like, over here. And then God said, hey, let me bring you back to a place of comfort. In relationship with me. And he forgave them, restored them, and then gave them a covering. This input was to be the direction that man's life took. God's plan was for man to live by his spoken word that came to him out of relationship with the Father. Not a written word in a book, but personal God-breathed direction for his life. And hearing his voice makes the book come to life. Many people read their Bible and they get bored reading their Bible because they never hear the book with a voice. There's no voice that comes with the book. So it's a duty. I'm being religious and I'm reading it. But listen, if I'm walking to God, all of a sudden while I'm walking, I'm not just reading, the book starts talking. I go, wait a minute. Hey, woo and it starts, it starts going, it gets inside of you, it becomes engrafted into you it's a word that comes to life on the inside of you, and, and it's a seed of life that gets planted in you that's why Mary said, hey, be it unto me according to your word and so the word that the angel spoke, didn't just go into her ears an angel said, you're going to conceive and bear a child and what you're going to conceive is the word of God and that word got planted in her womb and became a physical child, can I tell you that God word for healing that God's word for deliverance, that God's word for victory pastor I have this bondage I just can't break there's a word that can set you free and God will come walking in the cool of the day and you can conceive that in your spirit as we begin 2013 let's do so by seeking to hear his voice and direction for our lives let's fast and pray in faith together and for this coming year I found this last year and uh, I just want to read it again. It's by Anonymous and it's called the, About Prayer on the Cure for All Ills. The Scope of Prayer, look at this. Through prayer, there's no problem that can't be solved, no sickness that can't be healed no burden that can't be lifted no storm that can't be weathered no devastation that can't be relieved no sorrow that can't be erased no poverty cycle that can't be broken no sinner that can't be saved no perishing that can't be rescued no fallen that can't be lifted no hurt that can't be removed no broken relationship that can't be mended no difference that can't be resolved no hindrance that can't be shaken no limitation that can't be overcome no mourning that can't be comforted no ashes that can't become beauty no heaviness that can't be covered with the garment of praise no thirst that can't be quenched and no hunger that can't be filled no dry ground that can't be flooded no desert that can't blossom no congregation that can't be revived no preacher that can't be anointed no church pews that can't be filled no church leadership team that can't become one no community that can't be christianized and no nation that can't be transformed if we believe in prayer and we pray, amen. Hallelujah. I, I put some quotes in here and, and I would just read them. Uh, Richard Reed said this. William Reed said this in his, in his words and words to soul winners. Why is there so little anxiety to get time to pray? Why is there so little forethought in laying out of time and employment? So as to secure a large portion of each day for prayer. Why is there so much speaking, and so little prayer? Why is there so much running to and fro, yet so little prayer? Why much, so much bustle and business, and yet so little prayer? Why so many meetings with our fellow men, yet so few meetings with God? Why so little being alone and so little thirsting of the soul for the calm, sweet hours of unbroken solitude when God and His child hold fellowship together as if they could never part? It is the want. That not only injures our growth in grace, but makes us such unprofitable servants of Christ. I did not write that. He did Amen. Wrestling in prayer. Oswald Smith said this. We read in biographies of our fathers who were the most successful in winning souls that they prayed for hours in private. How many have somebody that you would like to see come to the Lord? Not just like, but you know that they need God. That if they don't find God, they are headed for a train wreck. We all know people like that. We were that person. We read in the biographies of our father, who are most successful in winning shows, that they prayed for hours. The question, therefore, arises: Can we get the same result without following their example? If we can, then let us prove to the world that we have found a better way, speaking of than prayer. But if not, then in God's name, let us begin to follow those who, through faith and patience, obtained the promise. Our forefathers wept and prayed and agonized before God for. For the Lord, for sinners to be saved. It would not rest until they were slain by the sword of the word of God. That was the secret of their mighty success. When things were slack and would not move, they wrestled in prayer till God poured out His Spirit upon the people and sinners were converted. How many know that's good? A.T. Pearson said this, God has no greater controversy with His people than this, that with boundless promises to believing prayer, there are so few who are actually giving themselves to intercession. What's that mean? The Word of God, we have all these problems. God, we're just here to stand upon your Word. It's so powerful when you say, God, I'm believing your Word. I'm trusting you. Amen? Hallelujah. Spurgeon said this, and this is where I am. Shall I give you another reason why you should pray? I preach my very heart out. I could not say any more than I've said. Will not your prayers accomplish that which my preaching fails to do? Wow. Is it not likely that the church has been putting forth its preaching hand, but not its praying hand? Oh dear friends, let us agonize in prayer. And that's what I believe with all my heart that if we can catch that, I'm telling you that, that it wouldn't be the normal. We met Ted Rose asked me to come down, and, and they're trying to put this together of a 24 /7 prayer vigil in the Sacramento area, that they could organize and get a year. That churches would sign up for maybe one day a month, one day every quarter, or maybe even if they get enough churches, one day a year, that somewhere in the greater Sacramento area there would be a place that you could go to where there would be prayer happening twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. Amen. And so they had a committee meeting, asked me to come down and be on that and and churches coming together. They have about eighty or ninety churches that are interested right now. But there'll be churches that say, hey, you know what? We wouldn't want to be a part of that. and means other people coming into our facility and opening up. But how many know that prayer, God made prayer this vital tool in our lives? And if we all got on, it, I mean, the, the statistic just on preachers is that every preacher only prays about seven minutes a day. And most preachers only read their Bibles to get a message. I just pick on me. Amen. And doing that. But I know over these years, God's been pressing me, pressing our church. How many know we want to be above average? And I walk. Praise the Lord. Samuel Chadwick said this about prayer. He said this, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. Hear me. And I found this out. The devil really doesn't care about much else. He really doesn't. If he can keep you from praying, he can keep you from accomplishing God's purpose for your life. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. Wow. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Wow. Why? Now why? The disciples said, Lord, how do we build a great church? And Jesus said, by fasting and prayer. Listen, the disciples said, Lord, how come we couldn't cast that one out? He says, because you can't do that without prayer and fasting. And what we've tried to do as a church is do everything without prayer and fasting. And so we purpose at Solid Rock to begin our year. And every year I preach a message similar to this somehow. Sometimes I use some of the same quotes and doing things. But the truth is, if we could pray. If my, listen to what God said. If my people will humble themselves and pray. And turn from their wicked ways, and seek my face. Then I will, then I will hear from heaven. We have a promise from God that when we turn and call upon Him, that He hears, and when He hears, He sends healing to our land. Amen. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm living in a nation that's stuck on stupid. I, I don't. I, I. You. Have you been able to make sense of anything going on in our government? It doesn't matter what, and, and I don't care what side you're on. I thought there was a right side. I found out they're all doubly stupid. I mean, you absolutely can't. And, and people are like buying into this. And so w- there has to be something where we have a wisdom and an insight that is able to lift us above that and cause us to be light in a dark place. And that happened through prayer. Jonathan Edwards said this about prayer and revival. And we hear a lot about revival. We have people wanting to go to revival, a worship revival, a prayer revival, this revival, that revival. But just revival is when God brings us back back to that place of seeking Him first. It's God's will through His wonderful grace that prayers of His saints should be one of the greatest principal means of carrying on the designs of Christ's kingdom world. When God has something very great to accomplish for His church, It is his will that there should precede it the extraordinary prayers of his people as manifested in Ezekiel 36. It is revealed that when God is about to accomplish great things for his church, he will begin by remarkably pouring out the spirit of grace and supplication. You go back and read church history, you'll find every time God's people would pray and He wanted to do something, He always called people to pray first. And we like, think God. God could just move. And God could. He could move and do anything. But God has chosen never to do anything in the earth apart from you and me. God said to Amos, He says, I will do nothing in the earth until I first reveal it to my servant, the prophet. God has never done anything that He hasn't asked man to come into symphony and harmony with Him. To work with him. And God comes and says, here's what I want to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it through you. And man gets in that relationship through prayer. Charles Finney was quoted by Oswald Smith as saying this. Prevailing or effectual prayer is that prayer which attains the blessing that it seeks. It is that prayer which effectively moves God. The very idea of effectual prayer is that it affects its objects. Amen? And we put down, uh, Tuesday night in our prayer night, I, I gave you some things that we're looking for. And, and one of the main things that I'm hungry for this year, and more and more I'm seeing, is that I, I, I really want a fresh outpouring of God's Spirit in our church and in our services. I don't want to just do have sermons and do things. I really want God to show up. I'd be more than happy if I prepared to preach and never got to preach again because God showed up. Amen. And God just began to move. But it takes something. We come together. It's a corporate appetite and an attitude that we have towards God to make that happen. I put down here for a greater outpouring of Holy Spirit in our services than ever before. A fresh zeal, hunger, passion, expectation, and anticipation for the presence of God to fill His temple and His people to the full and overflowing. For a greater healing anointing in our services. How I many likes like to see people really get healed? I mean, we've had a lot of miracles, and God do a lot of things. But I like to see miracles on a regular basis. Not to be the, I mean, to, to the place where we, like, get upset. Amen. Or get to that place where, and, and, and we think about it, we read about people. How many of have ever read anything about Smith Wigglesworth? Smith Wigglesworth was in a meeting, and a lady brought to him a Dead baby. Dead baby. My baby's dead. Pray for my baby. He said, put it down on the, on, on the platform. Put it down. He kicked the baby. Punted the baby into the third row. When it landed, the baby was alive. Wow. Now, don't go around getting kicking baby face. Amen? They brought another man in one of his meetings. They brought another man who was dying of cancer. Brought him on the hospital bed. On the IV drip. In the hospital bed. In the hospital gown. The whole thing brought him by ambulance to the meeting. And the prayer line. He just walked up. And when he got to the man. He just doubled up his fist and he punched him. And the guy went. And the people with him, You killed him. He said, he's not dead, he's healed. He was a Scottish man. Healed. he's healed. And just kept going on. They go, no, you killed him, he's dead. He said, he's healed. And a little bit later, the guy got up. Completely healed. Now what? And I'm saying, these are things that I have to work on. I'm preaching to myself. But he expected God to work. And he wrote a book called Overcoming Faith. But one thing he did, Lester Summerall traveled with, 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 with Carter and, and, and got to travel with, with, with uh, uh, meet Smith Wigglesworth. And he went to his house and on his way to his house, he had had some coffee and he, and he picked up the daily newspaper there in England and went to his house. And when he knocked on the door, Smith Wigglesworth opened the door and he said, you can come in, but leave that outside and made him leave the newspaper outside. He says, the only thing I allow in my house is the word of God. The only written thing in our house is the Word of God. And all I'm saying is that you, you, you hear and we read about men and women of faith like this and God doing great things for their life. And there's not a person in here as a Christian who doesn't have a desire on the inside of them for God to do something great through your life. But Smith knew the secret was is that eliminating voices and distractions and being able to hear God's voice with clarity. How many know if you're going to kick a baby, you better have heard God? I mean, you had that garden experience, all right? In the cool of the day, God said, punt. Yeah. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. And stuff, and miraculous stuff. How I mean, know, oh, Jesus did some, some crazy stuff. But if you read the accounts of the Lord Jesus Christ, you find that He went from one place of prayer to the next place of prayer and worked miracles in between. If we as a church, as the body of Christ, could spend more time in prayer, then we would find ourselves going from one place of prayer to the next place of prayer, from one season to the next, from one opportunity to the next, and God doing more through our lives for His glory. Amen? The worship team comes back. Sometimes people say, How long should I pray? Pastor, how long do I have to pray? I wrote this down in 1998, and I kind of live by this. My prayer time is based upon this. Our prayer time should be measured by the length of time it takes for God to make an impression of Himself upon my life. My prayer time should be the length of time it takes for God to make an impression of Himself upon my life. Time enough for him to be able to etch something of his character into mine. That I leave prayer with his, a deposit of his character into mine. Time enough for cares and fears to die and faith to live in their place. Fear robs you of your faith. And it has a voice that changes your words from faith to doubt. Prayer has a way of igniting faith back in your heart. I stayed there long enough for fear to die. The little we give of ourselves to Him in prayer is always evidenced by the little we have in turn to give to the needs of people to whom we're called to serve the bread of heaven. Watch. Jesus called the disciples and said, Hey, see that need out there? See that need out there? That multitude? You feed them that's a bold statement I love what John chapter 6 says it says that he already knew what he, he asked the question of Philip but he already knew what he was going to do he already knew what he was going to do he was going to take all he needed was the little bit that they had anything, all he needed was anything they had because he wasn't going to do it with what they had he was going to do it with what he had God never asked you to do anything with what you have All he asks you to do is give him what you have. Because when you give him what you have, anything God ever asks you to do with your talents, your gifts, we don't have enough to do what he's asking us to do. So I said, but here's the deal. If you'll give me what you have, I can mix it with mine. And what you have will lose its identity in me. And now I will give back to you out of my supply in multiplied form. So no matter how you sing, no matter how you preach, no matter how you love, no matter how you serve, no matter how much compassion you have, no matter what you do, God said, just give me what you have. And the church, see, the church has been stymied because God would put vision before it. We go, I don't don't know how we could do that. But Jesus had been in prayer, and he already knew what he was going to do. And he knew the supply of heaven was available. The disciples had no idea heaven's supply was available. So to them, what he was asking was impossible. But to Jesus, all he needed was just a grain of agreement. Just a lunch. If you give me a lunch, I can feed a multitude. Amen? And sometimes in prayer, that's all we have to do is just come to God and say, God... I'm going to do that. And Sometimes when we set a time aside at the beginning of the year, say, God, you know what? To the best of my ability, I'm going to put things aside. You know, for some of us, it, it could be something that has a hold of us. It doesn't matter. You could fast. Food is a great thing to fast. But there are other things that have a stronger hold on our lives than food. Interesting things. And I could talk about somebody. You might be in here today. And we could talk about technology and phones and stuff. And you go, I'm not even into that stuff. I don't do that stuff. Well, then you might need to fast that attitude. Because many times we're like the religious guy. In the, in the, somebody comes in and they're weeping and wailing and beating on their chest and repenting before God. And we're back there, man, I'm glad I'm not a sinner like that. They need to get saved. And yet the Lord spoke that parable He said, Hey, which one do you think went away justified? <laughs> that guy, amen. So sometimes maybe our attitude is the thing I need to fast the most. Well, I don't spend twenty one days with no opinion or nothing. Some of you would die. Some of you have had a stinking opinion through this whole message. Amen. I'll tell you one thing. I ain't going down here he asked me all he wants going to go pray. I ain't going to pray. I'll tell you one thing. Bless God, I pray at home. I'll tell you what I'm going I'm going to pray at home. I'll show him. I'll pray all day at home. Bless God. I'll call him up. I'll call him up every time I'm praying. Turn his phone off. He'll have 85,000 text messages from me. He turns his phone back on. He'll find out I was praying. Glory to God. hallelujah how many know we need to pray anything and I think about that we rely so much Robert Murray McShane died at the age of 30 in the 1700s he was a circuit riding preacher young man He married Jonathan Edwards' daughter. Died of tuberculosis. While he was riding preaching, he'd be sick. While he was riding, he'd stop and with no place to stay. He would kneel down in the snow and pray. And his prayer was so fervent that he would melt a circle around him. He would go into villages where they didn't communicate and believe that he could preach the gospel to a heathen people who didn't speak a language or comprehend anything that he had to say. And maybe he would meet with six or eight Indians in a teepee or in a village, and and maybe one or two might come. But he gave his life doing that. And he wrote and he said this. If we took all the 1700s, If we took all the machinery off of what we do for God, they didn't have no machinery. But he's speaking about all the natural things we do and we think that somehow it has affected a great work for God or built something. He says, I wonder how much really would have been accomplished by faith and prayer. And today, we have all this stuff. We like stuff. But the thing that lasts... I was reading to the guys in the office about a gentleman. I I don't have time. But he went to Burma. He was the only missionary to impact Burma, the nation of Burma. And establish a work there that still exists today. And he gave this regiment for prayer. He said, start by waking up at midnight. And then before the crack of dawn. And then at 6 in the morning, at 9 in the morning, at 12 noon, at 3 in the afternoon, at 6 in the afternoon, 9 in the afternoon, and then again at midnight, give yourself to prayer. And then several times during the day, be pulled away from business affairs to pray. You think, well, when would I find time to do anything? But out of all the people with more gifts, more talents, and more abilities and resources, than he, he was the only one that laid a foundation and shook a nation. Amen? Stand with me this morning. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm just inviting you. I believe this. I believe there's a special grace given to those who desire to walk in obedience to God. And that He always graces us with the power we need to do His Word. Seeking Him in desire of relationship with Him has always been His will for our lives. And as your pastor, I'm just calling us to a place of prayer. To take this year, God, we want to seek You like never before. We don't want to just rely on our strength and find another way to do something using tools when we've never employed the greatest tool You've ever given them. Going after a God on this level requires the fasting of our normal lives, schedules, appetites, desires, and goals for the pursuit of Him. But fasting is just that it's the denial of self on every level for the pursuit of God. My friend, Pastor Richard, over in West, over in Fairfield, is starting today too. He put down, Why should I fast? He put these reasons down. He says, Are you in need of healing or a miracle? Do you need a tender touch of God in your life? Is there a dream inside of you that only He can make possible? Are you in need of a fresh encounter? Do you desire a deeper, more intimate, and powerful relationship with the Lord? Are you ready to have heightened sensitivity to the desires of God? Is there a friend? Or a loved one that needs salvation? Do you need to break away from any bondages that have been holding you hostage? Do you desire to know God's will for your life? Those are great reasons to fast and pray. Amen? And so that's what we're offering. But I ask you to stand for this reason. We just don't want to pray together. If you're here today and you need prayer for any reason. We have leaders and elders that would love to pray for you. Maybe you're fighting something in your body. Maybe you have an issue that you need prayer for, you need wisdom for. The Bible says if we lack wisdom, we can ask of God no matter what our need is. It says if we're sick, we call for the elders, they anoint us with oil. Whatever that is, we pray corporately together and we pray one for another. So I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us. I want just to worship God for a moment before we leave. But if you're here today, maybe you've never given your life to Christ and you'd like to pray with somebody to accept Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Or you need healing in your body. Then I want to open up this altar right now. We have some leaders that will come to pray with you. So as they lead us, if you need prayer, you come at this time. Thank you, Father. Yes. Thank you, Lord.
1: Oh breath of God, come breathe, we be there must be more than these Spirit of God
0: we weep. Ray and Jenny, will you guys come up? And stand right over here. If you'd like prayer for your marriage, I'm gonna ask Ray and Jenny to stand over here to pray for you this morning. You need prayer in your marriage in any way? You need prayer? Just come right up. Let somebody pray with you. Hallelujah. You need a breakthrough in your relationships and marriage? You need a job? You need finance? You need healing? It doesn't matter. Don't walk out without us praying for you, agreeing with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah! thank
1: you
0: Lord thank you.
1: lord
0: hallelujah Hallelujah!